guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of The Stone Table. My name is Mickey, and I am a worship arts coordinator here at Baylife. And my name is Travis, and I am the teaching pastor on staff at Baylife Church. And welcome to the second ever episode of The Debrief. The Debrief, informally known as as The Digest. Yeah, Tricky's Digest. Right. So, Mickey, why don't we explain for the people who maybe just tuned in for the first time, didn't hear our last episode, or our last debrief, what what are we doing in the the digestible debrief. Yes. So what we do here on these episodes is we kind of sit and talk about the last two interviews that we've put out. So we will be talking about the interview that we did with our friend Samuel Rafiq and the interview that we did with Douglas Kane McKelvey. Yes. And you might have heard that creaking noise as Mickey was talking. It's probably worth mentioning. The interview might sound a little bit weird because we're recording it in our apartment. Apartment. Yeah. And our cat keeps jumping on the table every time we try and get this thing going. Yes. So you may hear our third host today, Mr. St. Augustine of Hippolo. The podcat. The podcat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, yeah. Yeah. So today is a little bit of an interesting episode. We are recording from our house. And so... We kind of spent the whole day at the house. We did. Yes. Yeah. So we have actually been recovering today from the past weekend. Travis, why don't you tell our listeners <laughs> about what we did this weekend? Yeah. So we were leaders for Revolve, which is kind of our student ministry retreat. Yes. We do two retreats in student ministry every year. There's, well, I guess three. There's middle school camp, there's high school camp, and then there's Revolve, which is kind of the combined camp of middle schoolers and high schoolers. We got to hang out with both middle schoolers and high schoolers this weekend as we heard from the word, worshiped together, and played on this campground that was super fun. It was like 30 degree weather, so I was freezing, but the kids were really feeling the lake and getting in the water and jumping in and I did not partake in that. However, I had a great time hanging out with my students. Yeah, it was awesome. We were I mean, we were in Old Town, Florida, which yes. I didn't see any semblance of a town there. Not really. No. There, there was a Beef O'Brady's. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, I went and, and got lunch with with our camp speaker, Chris, who yes. both both of us have been friends with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Chris was my boss when I was sort of the student ministry intern and the janitor <laughs> and it has since moved on to the village church out in Dallas, Texas, but he it was he was kind enough to come back and speak this weekend on the life of David. So yes. great for us to catch up with Chris. He's somebody mm-hmm. who's been a part of our story and a part of our life for Many over years. a decade, yeah. Yes, we were so excited to get the chance to hang out with him, hang out with our um, our fellow leaders and our students, and it was a great time, but needless to say, we were exhausted when we got home last night. So today has been a little bit of a recovery mode for us. Yeah, we haven't done much of anything. Yeah. We, we drank looked, a lot of coffee. We did. Yeah. So I'd, me- I'd meant to read a lot of books, but I ended up not doing that. I ended up kind of just drinking coffee yeah. and... <laughs> talking with you all day. Yes, yes. However, if you had read books, what book would you have read, Travis? Yeah, so I I, maybe you've seen this. In my office, I've got like this pile of books about Holy Week that I've been kind of going through because we're going to be doing that devotional when Uh we get to Palm Sunday. And so I've basically been writing the devotional and and in writing it, been reading like a thousand different things. So Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a combination of reading for that (laughs) and then like trying to pass my classes. So reading is not fun for me anymore. (laughs) It's it's not like it's not enjoyable. It's become like a burden. But you're on a time crunch. I'm on a time crunch. Yeah. But if, if you had had some time to read today. Instead of just drink a ton of coffee, what would you have picked up? And so and I read? would have actually finished. Okay, so what I would have read today is not along those lines. I would have read my my copy of Pride and Prejudice that you gave me by okay. Jane Austen. Yeah. Um. So 
you know, that illustrated version that you got me for Christmas. Mm -hmm. I started it a few weeks ago. I got a few pages in and there's actually like a commentary on it, which is incredible. It's it's like a study Bible, but for Jane Austen. Yes. It's the Jane Austen study Bible. Um, (laughs) I am in love with this book. Pride and Prejudice is my favorite book in the world. And so Thank you for getting me this copy of it. You are welcome. I feel like a lot of the times I'm reading for work or for research and I don't really get to read for fun. Um, And so this is definitely a fun book for me. Um, So I would have read that today or tried to finish reading it if we had time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that would have been fun for me. You know, it (laughs) it would be interesting to know what our listeners are reading. Yes. We would love to hear what you guys are reading. We love reading whether it's for research or for fun. And yeah. we would love to hear what you guys are reading, think are interesting or things that you would suggest to us. I mean, we're always looking for things to be reading. Yeah. So, hey, if, if you have some books you'd recommend to us or or even a topic you'd recommend for the show, shoot us an email at the stone table at baylife.org. Yes. Or even if you just want to tell us what you would read. If you, if you had the time. <laughs> if you had the time to read. That works too. Uh, yeah. Because obviously we didn't have... I say we didn't have the time day. We didn't do anything. It was just that opening a book felt like total exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, as with anything, I feel like there is time. We just. We didn't make it. We didn't make it. We weren't. We weren't disciplined. True. But we will. Yeah. That's, you know, we're working on it. So let's jump into these interviews that we did with Samuel and with Douglas McKelvey. Yes. Both of them came out in the month of February mm-hmm. and have been interviews that have been on the books for a while now. Yes. So maybe we start with Samuel's interview and just talk a little bit about that. And and then I want to dive into the McKelvey one and talk mm-hmm. about maybe some practical implications. Yes. So let's talk about how cool Samuel is. I mean, the guy knows like five languages. He's super well-versed in theology and Islamic theology. Like he just, he knows a lot. Right. And he, he was, he was so cool to talk to you and have in the office and right. be able to have a real conversation with him. It was great. Yeah. So many of these interviews that we do, we do from afar mm-hmm. and, and it, it's, it's done through, you know, the, the gift of technology and the ability yes. to talk to somebody through the internet or through Skype. But it, it's really nice to have a conversation with someone face to face. It really is. So, and I think it shows in that that conversation with Samuel mm-hmm. that we were able to kind of actually interact as human beings and, <laughs> and not through a screen. Yes. Um, he is terrifyingly smart, right? Like when he said, "You know, I read a couple hundred books as a warm up for moving to this <laughs> Islamic country." I was just like, well, I'm scared to ask any questions because you're 10 times smarter than me. And, and I'm going to sound like a, a big dumb idiot. No, yeah. no. He was so gracious. And he was so, um, he was just, the way that he was able to explain what he does and the passion behind it, it, it was just a real treat to be able to to talk to someone with that background, that experience. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so different than our reality. But I love the way that he presented his reality in such an applicable way for us and in our context right. to be able to inform ourselves of the beliefs of those around us mm-hmm. and how we can love them and how we can care for them. And in turn, have a venue to sort of uh, communicate the gospel in their language, in their context. Yeah, what was great to me about the interview was one, I think it's a good primer in engaging with our Muslim friends. Yeah. He does, a, I mean, obviously he's got a degree in Islamic theology. And so as a Christian, knowing that well what someone else believes mm-hmm. gives you the ability to build all sorts of bridges to the gospel. Right. And so I think that's a really helpful interview for somebody who's just wondering, maybe you've got a, a Muslim friend or neighbor or coworker, and you're going, man, how do I talk to them about what I believe and how do I understand where they're coming from so we can have a good conversation? Mm-hmm. So it's a great primer on that. But on like a more meta scale, 
it's a really good picture of just how to care about sharing the gospel sure, with people who yeah. disagree with you. And that's the thing that I think came out in our conversations together after the interview, like not just what does this teach us about how to engage with our Muslim friends, but what would it look like to apply Samuel's method to our secular friends or our atheist right. friends or our Hindu friends? Or what does it look like sure. to care so much about sharing the gospel with someone that we take the time to figure out what they believe yeah. so we can speak to them in a way that makes sense. Right. And I think that that speaks volumes to those around us that we're not just here to impose our beliefs on other people, even though we know what we believe is true and right, but that we took the time to, to understand where they're coming from, uh, be able to, to sort of wrestle through their questions with them and, and just see where they're at and where they've come from. And, and it's just been, it was really, really encouraging to hear that, you know, he was able to, I don't know, allow this to be a part of his reality mm -hmm. that he cares so much about the gospel. Yeah. That he went to lengths to communicate it to people who wouldn't otherwise have yeah. heard about it. You know who I think is doing a great job of that on our staff right now is Brian Pete. Oh, um, Brian Pete is the man. Yeah, he he's doing such a great job with that. He's getting ready for this high school trip that we're we're sending to Salt Lake City, Utah, yes. to share the gospel with uh, Mormons, mm -hmm. and and so Brian Pete has been sort of preparing to share the gospel with the Mormons he's yeah. going to encounter, and he's read he's already like read the Book of Mormon uh -huh. through. He's read like all of the church documents, and he's he's really brushing up on what they believe, so that when he talks to Mormons, he can share the gospel well and say, "Hey, here's why we disagree with you, and right. and, and here's where you're coming from. I've taken the time to understand it, and here's why we think the Bible says mm. that's wrong." Yes. And, and so I, I was just thinking about that. Like Brian Pete is such a great example of somebody doing that, not in the area of Islam, but in the area of Mormonism. Mormonism. Right. Right. And he's, he, so for those of you who don't know, he's actually our middle school pastor. Right. Yeah. And uh, just kind of seeing him along with all the other leaders who are going on this trip, who have been working on uh, meeting with the students and preparing them for this trip that they're going on. I've just heard so many great things about uh, the students becoming passionate about evangelism and passionate about sharing their faith with Mormons. And so I'm really excited for this trip and what it's, you know, gonna, what it's going to produce. Yeah, yeah. for you, sure. You know, the other interesting thing that happens when we study what other people believe is it forces us to more clearly define what we believe. Right. So I was, That's so true. I was talking with Brian uh, at Revolve this weekend mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation about Mormonism and some of the things they believe. And then and then that shifted to a conversation about the Trinity, mm. right? So if we're going to talk to Mormons about what they think about God, we have to be really clear about what we what think we about believe. God. Right. So there is something really valuable, not just in studying someone else's faith so you can talk to them, but because it forces you... Reinforces our own. Right. And that's kind of what Samuel said, right? Yes. Is that it was faith building for him yes. to study Islam because it forced him to, to really recognize, hey, as a Christian, this is what I believe and this is how it's different from this other mm. faith that I'm studying. Mm -hmm. That's such a such a problem today. I, I don't think most Christians really understand what Christianity is. Yeah. I don't think they really grasp when they say, I'm a Christian. They don't understand a lot of the foundational pieces of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for them to recognize how we're different from someone of another faith that they might right. encounter. Yes. And I think that going into our interview with Douglas Kane McKelvey, we explored the topic of historical liturgy and prayers. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to go back to what we as Christians believe foundationally, a lot of these things can be found in prayers. Right, the and historic prayers and liturgies. Historic prayers yeah. and liturgies, right. So that brings us to our digest of that episode, which 
we were so stoked to be able to have the opportunity. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yes, because as we kind of fan boy and girl (laughs) in the episode with Doug, we received the book Every Moment Holy for Christmas, and it's just something that we've been using in our family, and and it has really solidified so much of what we believe, but to see it like written out and in prayer form and liturgical form, and it points us toward more historical. Forms and forms, practices, yeah. Yeah, and it's been really beneficial for us. Yeah, it, so we mentioned it a little bit in the interview, but but mm-hmm. Doug is a part of an organization called The Rabbit Room, which is headed up by Andrew Peterson. Which is so cool, by right. the way. Yeah. We love Andrew Peterson. We're huge, huge fans of Andrew Peterson as a musician. So it was kind of wild to hear Doug just talk about like... Nonchalantly. Yeah, Andrew texted me. and I'm like, oh, I wish Andrew would text me. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, um, yes. So so I, I've followed The Rabbit Room for years. It's mm-hmm. basically an art collective that Andrew Peterson is the head of. And mm-hmm. it's an organization that's devoted to cultivating... Christian art that's good. Yes. Most of it's not, right? Most Christian art is pretty bad. Sadly. Unfortunately. I mean, yeah. And I, I love their um I love their mindset of the community feeds the art and the art feeds community. It's like a it's like a circle almost. It's like a circular cycle circular cycle. Yeah. It's just a cycle right. where, you know, the community feeds into the influence of of art and art influences community. Right. I love that mindset. Absolutely. So so I I've been following the Rabbit Room for years mm-hmm. um, because I like the blogs they post and, yeah. and they sort of f- sponsor and fund musicians and I tend yes. to like the music they put out. Uh-huh. And I just was scrolling through their bookstore and saw the video for Every Moment Holy and mm-hmm. I think I think you I texted it to, it me, to yeah. you and I was like we need this. Yeah. And then I think I I like bugged you throughout the day and was like did you <laughs> did watch you the video? It? Did you see it? Did you see it? <laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, we got this for Christmas and mm. it's just been such a rich resource. It's, yeah, and we talk about this in the interview. I don't think it's anything people won't have heard, but it's basically these structured prayers and there's sort of call and response. So there's something that yeah. the leader will say, and then there's something we'll pray together. And then there'll be like a moment of silence where we pray on our own. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of or read a Psalm, right. incorporating a, a piece of scripture with it. Yeah. And then there's also a moment in some of the devotional there, there's a, a moment where you can just spend time praying from the heart. Right. And man, I just think about what a great tool and resource it's been for our family. And I also think about how our church is made up of families with children. And, and there are so many ways that we can incorporate this discipline into our families with children and how useful it is because there are portions of this devotional that talk about things that you would see in the day-to-day of a family with kids. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things I maybe want to pull out of this. Um, one, we talk about in our with our Samuel interview, one, one of the challenges is that a lot of Christians don't understand what it is they believe as Christians. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like one of the great ways to fix that is to have these structured rhythms built into our families where we're actively teaching our kids the faith. Yes. Uh, so often the the temptation is to think, well, our kids go to Sunday school or they're a part of youth group or they, they go to children's ministry and that's where they're learning the faith. But building in these sort of rhythms where we're praying together, where we're reading scripture together, where we have this family liturgy, that's how we prevent another generation of Christians from coming up and not knowing what it really means to be a Christian. Right. But maybe the pushback that I could see us getting is somebody saying, well, why not just pray from the heart? Why pray someone mm. else's prayers? Why why read a prayer out of a book when I can just talk to God and, and say whatever I'm thinking? Yeah, which is not a bad thing. Absolutely. We absolutely should be praying from our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, 
we, we have that freedom to speak with God um, about anything. But I think that there are just so many historical truths rooted in these prayers and these things that have been structured in a manner that reminds us of the things that we believe in as Christians. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both. It's a both. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it needs to be spontaneous prayers or written prayers. Mm -hmm. I think if, if we read really good written prayers, Mm -hmm. it might actually teach us how to pray better spontaneous prayers. Mm. Okay. Unpack that for us. So what comes to mind in particular is Mary's response to the annunciation, right? Mm. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Hey, you're going to conceive, and, and it's going to be a miraculous conception, and mm-hmm. you're going to give birth to to the Savior. Mary responds with something that's called the Magnificant, yes. this song of praise. It's kind of like, a com- I don't know if it's a song. I can't imagine Mary just singing a cappella. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably more of a prayer. Praise, prayer. It, yeah. it's. I mean, she's pouring out her heart. Yes. And, and so that that you look at that and you go, see, prayers from the heart are what's most important. But then when you read it, but. it is actually, it's a parallel of the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Mm. And Hannah was this woman who couldn't conceive children. Yes. And so when God finally gives her a child, she cries out in praise. And so when Mary conceives, she basically she basically improvises mm-hmm. off of Hannah's prayer. Yeah. She's not making it up off the top of her head. Right. Side note, how cool is it to see the Old Testament... New Testament parallels. Oh my gosh. That's my favorite part about studying the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing like the unity. Yes. And how they go together. And man. Yeah. Sorry. Side note. No. That's my like my nerding nerd out. (laughs) Yeah. Totally agree. But it but what it looks like when you read Mary's response to the birth of Jesus or the conception of Jesus Mm -hmm. is that she has so studied Hannah's prayer. Right. That when the time comes for her, she responds with her own version of Hannah's prayer. Yeah. She's studied this written prayer and, and maybe even prayed it herself so that when her time comes, yeah. those words are her words and it is coming from her heart. Mm. And so I, I don't think it's an either or, right? Like yeah. Mary is not making up a prayer on the spot. She's quoting Hannah's. And yet it has Mary's flavor on it. Right. Yeah. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. I just, I love seeing those parallels in the Bible. And I think that that models what prayer can look like for us too. We yeah. should absolutely pray from the heart, but when we have uh, structured prayers uh, rooted in scripture and truth, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of, we can draw from that. Yeah. We can draw from the truths that we know have been a part of our church history right. for 2000 years. Absolutely. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with learning from the prayers of great saints in the past mm. and even praying them and making them your own and, and maybe even taking pieces of it. And so Absolutely. something like this book, Every Moment Holy, really gives us the the fuel for the fire right. to, to be able to do that. Yeah. It's really shown us how to be able to do something like that. And and I love what Doug did in, in bringing forth these these historic structures and, and applying them to things that you would see in the day to day. So there's a, a liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee, and there is a liturgy for changing diapers. Right. If you have a baby in your home and that's a part of your day to day, it's just, you know, there is a liturgy for a husband and wife in the morning, and mm-hmm. then there's a liturgy for the husband and wife at the end of the day. It's yeah. It's there. It's just very applicable, and and I loved that about this book. Yeah, and and this I think helps us to do something that's so important, which is to 
consecrate every moment of our life. Mm. I think we use that phrase in the interview itself. Yeah. To, to see every action as having spiritual significance. Yes. And, and to see every action as, as a possible opportunity to glorify God, even in the most mundane things like yes. changing diapers or drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. I guess we don't really just drink morning coffee. We drink like morning and afternoon and, afternoon and evening. evening. Decaf and, coffee. Yeah. I mean, I'm sipping decaf right now. Yeah. But because it's. Yeah it's better it but is. these are just some great resources that we've um we've found to be helpful for us with the every moment holy book and and talking with people like samuel who can just encourage us and inspire us on our inner walk with christ and how we can best reach uh people who who haven't heard the gospel or who don't know and also having it stem from structure in our own home too yeah um which is what we've found with the ever uh, every moment holy book yeah absolutely hey, you know it may be helpful to kind of just explain th- the way that we've used every moment holy because we don't actually follow it to the t right mm-hmm. we we basically have have built our own kind of hybrid morning devotional where we will we'll pray through the prayer for mm-hmm. for morning coffee right mm-hmm. and then and then we'll read a psalm yes and then we actually spend time praying from the heart yes yeah so how we've been using this book is kind of reciting the the call and response portion of it. And then we will, even if the, the whole liturgy doesn't call for a scripture reading, we go ahead and we read another chapter of Psalm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll read another Psalm. And then we spend time praying for one another and mm-hmm. for our day. Yeah. Which I think is important to note, like this stuff is not inflexible. It's right. a tool. It's a it, tool to help us. Right, exactly. And it's been so useful for us and just get us in the right mindset for the work day or whatever it is we've got going on in the day. It's just been, um, it's just a really sweet time for us to spend together, um, mm-hmm. gathered around the word and, and just praying to God and spending time with him. Yeah. Um, and it's just been really, really useful for us. And and I think of when we have kids, this is the sort of practice we want to model for them. Mm-hmm. We want to model uh, having time with each other, but also with God yeah. um, and making a point to set aside time in the mornings to do so or, or in the evening or really any time that we are drinking coffee or yeah. just um, reading diapers or, or reading a book or, yeah. you know, um, but really instilling the idea that every moment can be holy because every moment can be used as, as a way of glorifying God, no matter what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that kind of brings us to the end of our digest. Yes. If you haven't checked out the interviews with Samuel Rafik, who is one of our mission partners at the church, mm-hmm. or if you haven't checked out our interview with Douglas McKelvey from the rabbit room, we would totally encourage you to go back and listen to those. We're super proud of all the all the great things that came out of those conversations and it's meant a lot in our own lives as we've talked it through and tried to work it into our home yes and we would love to hear from you guys we would love to hear how these episodes have hopefully been useful and helpful to you and and we would love to hear if you guys have picked up any of the copies of the books we've recommended we try to sort of i know we hate using this word but curate yeah <laughs> we 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 hope we curate a, a sort of resource uh, list of things that are helpful to you guys and our listeners and, and you know, by God's grace, uh, allow us to grow deeper in our faith and just uh, challenge maybe some of the things that we've 
never thought about. Right. Or, and even to help you kind of disciple your family a little bit yes, better. The, yes. The goal with these is that, that they would be helpful. Mm-hmm. We don't bring on guests that produce things that we find unhelpful. Right. <laughs> and so if you, if you go and pick up one of these books, man, I would love to hear how has it blessed your family? How has it helped you? So uh, once again, we mentioned the email address earlier, but shoot us an email at the stone table at baylife.org and leave us a review, rate and subscribe. We're still a new podcast. So telling your friends about mm-hmm. the show really helps. I feel like we talk to people every week who say, hey, I didn't know that you guys had a podcast and I just found it. And so it's really helpful when you all share this to your friends and Mm -hmm. even people within Baylife. Yes. So I think that brings us to the end, doesn't it? It does. It does. We're about finished. Yep. So for Baylife Church, my name is Mickey. And I'm Travis. And this is The Stone Table. Say hello.